Freddie Villarreal is the senior pastor of Freedom Church, Freedom Life Church in Hampton, Virginia, where its main campus is located. Pastor Freddie was one of the main speakers at the annual meeting of Virginia Baptists earlier in November. Freedom Life has other campuses. One is in San Antonio, Texas. And Pastor Freddie also does some teaching around the country, in particular at the chapel, which is outside of Chicago. He's a dynamic speaker, and it was really refreshing to hear him preach. When he took the platform on Tuesday of the meeting, he talked of his love for basketball. And whether he is at home in Hampton or traveling around the country, he is always looking for a pickup game of hoops. When he steps up to the court, whether on the playground or in the gym, he says with confidence, I've got next. I got next. And this means if if you play basketball, you know this. It means I'm ready. I'm prepared. I'm confident and I'm waiting on this game to be over and I'm ready to take on the winner or my team is ready to take on the winner. I got next. He connected with us who are Christians. See, we're like players on the bench waiting. And the question for us is, are we prepared to get in the game? Are we ready? We can sit along the court or on the sidelines and just wait in hopes that we'll get a turn, or we can say with confidence, I got next. Always be ready. That's an Advent lesson for us this season. Another thought is how backup quarterbacks must always be in a state of readiness. A writer with Sports Illustrated states, only 11 of the 32 first-string quarterbacks in the NFL started every game last season, meaning two-thirds of the league relied on a backup signal caller to start at least one game last season. Every week, the backup must be ready to go. They are the number two, but they've got to play ready whether they get a lot of reps or none. The expectation is to step up and play and play well. The backup for the Chicago Bears says, you anticipate to play every week. Truly, that's how you have to stay in it. You prepare to stay in it. It could happen on the first snap. It could happen on play 62. You've got to be ready to roll whenever your number is called. And isn't this exactly what Taylor Heineke has done over the past several years for the Washington Commanders if you follow football? Or even if you don't, you've, you've heard it in the news. His first year, Alex Smith started, but he suffered a season-ending leg injury, and Heineke took over in playoff game and quickly became the fan favorite. I got next, he would say. And then next year when Ryan Fitzpatrick injured his hip, Taylor was called on again and started most of the rest of the season for the team. I got next. And this season when Washington starter Carson Wentz injured his finger or his hand, I forget which, Heineke went in and led the team, which was one and four, to now being six and five, including a solid win over, yes, my team, the Eagles. But nonetheless, 
He's leading the team well, and they have rallied around him. He has since been named the starter for the rest of the season, and they have an incredible stretch going into the playoffs. I got next, he would say, and so should we, to be ready, to be prepared, to live in such a way today that will help us and our church thrive tomorrow, that we must all be ready when Jesus comes to be willing to step up and say, I got next, Jesus, whatever it is. Maybe there's a unique calling on your life, a specific calling for a specific purpose, and you step up and, and receive that calling, I got next. Or maybe there's a need in the church. It may not be an exact area where you feel equipped or gifted, but because there's a need, I got next. I will follow. Show me the way, Lord. Advent is a reminder that we live between, in the in-between, between the here and in the now and the not yet. It's an I got next kind of season. Jesus has come and he promises us that he will come again. His birth ushered in a kingdom of reversals where the greatest are the weakest and the humble will be lifted up. In his commentary on this passage, Dr. Frank Stagg well-known Baptist scholars passed away now, but he writes that Matthew 24 and chapter 25 are eschatological in nature and practical in purpose. Eschatological from the word in the Greek eschaton, meaning that God is seen as working toward a goal of judgment of the world and toward its redemption and salvation. Believers and non-believers alike at some point to be determined by the Father will be judged but in the meantime, we are to live with a strong sense of readiness to meet Jesus when our earthly race is finished or when he comes again in his glory. Dr. Stagg sees four purposes in this overall section of Scripture. One, to awaken and sustain within followers of Jesus an expectation that Jesus will return to earth to judge and to bring redemption. Second, to warn against being misled by false prophets and false Christs. Jesus constantly warned his disciples about that. Third, to encourage a posture of readiness for Christ's return, his next coming. In the Greek, it's the parousia. And fourth, Dr. Stagg says the purpose of this passage or this series of passages is to remind Christians of our world mission that we are on mission for God. The church is the missio dei, the, the, the mission of God. And we have purpose, and God desires that we are ready to share it when called upon. Living with Advent readiness means that we live with a serious expectation of Christ's return, and at the same time, we live with careful attention to personal readiness. We serve in the here and now and we must pay careful attention to when we are called to get in the game and step up and say, I got next. In chapter 23, right before our passage, Jesus is teaching in the temple courts. It's the beginning of the last week of his life. We call it the Holy Week. And he is constantly badgered and persecuted by the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the teachers of the law. 
Jesus condemned their hypocrisy. We see that throughout chapter 23 and warned them of God's judgment, which would result in the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans and the temple in Jerusalem, reminiscent to the siege of the Babylonians nearly 600 years before. But as the disciples heard those messages from Jesus toward those religious people who were misappropriating the Jewish faith, the disciples were confused. They wanted to know when that would happen so that they could avoid it or be ready, whatever they needed to do. And in chapter 24, verse 3, Matthew presents their question to us. that They asked Jesus, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? It's no fault of the disciples. They were confusing the coming judgment of God as a result of the inappropriations of the faith by the leadership. They were confusing that imminent judgment of God with the end times. And Jesus helped them to see both. Jesus was quick to help them to know the difference, and we should know the difference too. And if we, as we read these chapters, it helps, it becomes more clear to us. He gave them some signs in chapter 24, including some of the prophecy from the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. And he said, when you see these things happening, and if you're still in Judea when they happen, then flee to the mountains, get out of here and go to the higher ground, for it would it would be a destruction that would come soon. And we know that in 70 A.D., the temple and the city were destroyed. Then Jesus told them about his second coming. Even Jesus said he did not know the hour or the day, but only the Father in heaven. For all of its certainty, the parousia, only the time, only the hour is known by the Father. It will come when people are preoccupied with normal work, like out in the field or in you know, uh, grinding, grinding meal. And sometimes this is confusing, especially to theologians over the years who struggle with a fully divine, fully human Savior, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who didn't have the particular answer that they were looking for. How could he be fully divine and fully human but not know the hour or the day? Paul helps us to understand this in Philippians chapter 2 where Jesus intentionally emptied himself of the supernatural power of God because it was his purpose to be on earth as the incarnate Son of God to live and to die on behalf of all people, and to be resurrected on the third day, to die for the sins of humanity. And in so doing, he emptied himself and became nothing. Listen to how Paul explains it in chapter 2, verse 6 and following. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He emptied himself, some translators say. And the Greek here is kenosis. He made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, by being made in human likeness, and being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. It is in this capacity that Jesus taught his disciples that only God knew the day or the hour of the final coming of the Son of Man. So they must simply live with readiness. Not even Jesus himself knew the hour or the the, the day, hour or the time. So the disciples were to receive this news and they must live with readiness in an attitude of, I got next. Okay, Pastor Bob, what does this readiness look like for me? What, What does it look like now? Jesus provides some helpful illustrations. I encourage you to read through chapter 25 sometime this week so you can bring it together. But being ready first looks like common sense. He tells us this little parable of a homeowner. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and he would not let his house be broken into. Doesn't that sound like common sense to you and me? And Jesus said, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Jesus is saying, be ready. Use the common sense that God has given you and and just be ready. Have an attitude of readiness. Second, toward the end of chapter 24, we find that being ready looks like obedience. There's a parable of the faithful servant here. A servant is left in charge of everything as the master has gone away to do to conduct business. And the servants don't know when the master will return. And when the uh, master returns, the servant is found faithful with what he was asked to do. So being ready. Yes, we use common sense, but it also is simple obedience that we seek to do the things that God desires us to do to obey as Christ was obedient to the Father. Third, we would say be ready looks like spiritual preparedness. Starting in Matthew 25, there's a parable that Jesus gives of ten bridesmaids. And five of them brought extra oil with them to light their lamps that they would not miss when the bridegroom came because when the bridegroom came, that was time for the celebration to begin and the wedding, all the wedding party would would be uh, present, and the the celebration would ensue. But there were five bridesmaids who only brought a little bit of oil, and when theirs ran out, they they asked the others if they could have some. And there was not enough to go around, and they missed out on the bridegroom and all of the celebration. They were not prepared. Being ready looks like spiritual preparedness. How do we do that in church? You know, if you've been around church even a little while, we worship together. It helps us with our spiritual development. We spend time alone with God, solitude. We spend time listening to God. We spend time reading and meditating and studying scripture. We spend time in prayer, seeking the will of God and praying on behalf of our fellow sisters and brothers in our community. We serve in the church. And I could go on about the different ways uh, that we are nurtured spiritually, but being ready requires spiritual preparedness. I think it's Benjamin Franklin who said, by failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. 
If I had eight hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend six hours sharpening my axe, said Abraham Lincoln. And what about President John F. Kennedy? The time to repair the roof is when the sun is shining. You certainly don't want to wait till a day like today to patch the roof. Spiritual preparedness, being ready, looks like spiritual preparedness. Jesus also shows us that it looks like responsible use of resources. In Matthew 25, starting at verse 14, he gives a parable or a, a picture of workers who have been given a certain number of talents. The business owner went on a long journey and entrusted his assets to his workers. He gave each a certain number of talents according to his ability. Two of the workers invested their talents and doubled what they had been given. You'd say that certainly is responsible use of resources. But the third worker took his talent and buried it in the ground. And when the owner of the business came back, he had absolutely nothing to show for it but the pension. We are to be responsible for the gifts that God has given to us. Our talents, if you will, or the, the things that we are uh, good at, that we can share, our special abilities, our spiritual gifts, our financial resources, the time of the day. Being prepared involves responsible use of resources. And then here's the last one. And I believe it's helpful to see the context of this passage because we quote it often. Jesus is, is saying to us that being ready looks for Jesus in everyone. When we are ready, when we say, I got next, we are looking for the Christ in every single human being because each one of us is created in the image of a loving God. In verse 31 and following, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on the right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, come, you are blessed by my father, take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And then Jesus tells the familiar part to us. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these sisters and brothers of mine, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, for you are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. 
I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And they will answer, Lord, uh, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison, and we didn't help you? And, and we understand these words as Christ. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And they would go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Being ready is a posture of looking for Jesus in every situation. And whether Jesus comes tomorrow or a thousand years or whenever, this is the way that we are to be ready to meet the Lord. That others would see us as the hands and feet of Jesus and that we would see in them the very face of Christ himself. We don't know much about when Jesus might show up in a cloud of glory, but we can be prepared for the moment when Jesus wants us to show up in his name in the lives of those who are around us. In his name we love, we serve, And we are kind. And when we fall short, we can be forgiven. We live as though Jesus has already come again. As I got next Christmas. And if you think about it, Jesus has come again. In you and in me. We live ready to say, I got next. May it be so on this Sunday of hope as we wait.